Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Lean into the battle, we don't run from it. We lean into you, God, we don't run from you. And God, the harder the devil attacks, the more we pursue you, God. That his provoke will only provoke us to seek you. So God, right now we cast down every stronghold, God, everything that would exalt its name over the name of Jesus in here and would keep our hands too heavy to being lift up to serve you. Anything that would be that, God, we, we just say, no, no, hands are going up. Every stone that we have in our hand of unforgiveness that we've got aimed at somebody that did us wrong, we're going to drop that stone right now and put a hand of praise up. And we're going to give them to you. Because vengeance is yours. We're just called to love and be yours. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We love you. And the best is yet ahead. Just go ahead and let the devil hear that. The best is still ahead for my life. The best is still ahead for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, you can be seated. I'll tell you, um, and we're kind of getting into this a little bit tonight, uh, but, you know, David learned what it was to encourage himself in the Lord. And it's, and it's something you got to, you got, sometimes the Lord will put you in a season of aloneness or singleness or whatever it might be to teach you how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And... Whenever we have to have the pat on the back from someone else, there's nothing wrong with that. We are to encourage and exhort one another. But the Lord will put you in seasons where he withholds the pat on the back or being noticed. He'll hide you. And his purpose in doing so is to teach you how to encourage yourself in the Lord and not be motivated by the opinions of other people. Because if you'll do right all by yourself you'll do right, <laughs> right, right, and it's, it's a character building thing, and what, when we go through things, it's, it's like the Lord is trying to reveal to us something that's in us that either needs to be dealt with or um, needs to be put aside, you know, whatever, and so I think the worst thing we can do when the Lord's trying to deal with us is hide, right? It's like the Lord's trying to teach us to face up and be men and get face-to-face with them and have real conversation about where we're really at and what's really going on. And, and that's, the, uh, that's the reality of the thing. And so don't be discouraged when you find something in you that you don't like. Because it's an opportunity to repent and get better. And the Lord only corrects those whom he loves. (laughs) You know, so if your backside's getting red, hey, you're in good company. He loves you. He loves you. So it would tell me that when you're, if, well, we'll just move on here. (laughs) Oh, when you got kids, you just kind of really lean into that one. Uh, There's a characteristic of King David's life that fascinates me. And in the Old Testament, there's not more words about any other character in the scriptures than King David. The second in the Old Testament that has words about them uh, would be Moses, but it's not really a close second. It's like between the Psalms, between Samuel, and between 2 Samuel, and between... Uh, the different writings about David, it's like David is like the premier figure in the Old Testament. And there's things and qualities about him that's not mentioned even in the New Testament about other people. It's uh, not that David was perfect and not that David was some kind of high and lofty guy, but he had this relationship with the Lord that was so special Um, Because he just walked with the Lord in such a rich and deep way. And there's something that I found, and uh, 
I think I read a book, and the book just said it in passing. But I thought, wow, what a, what a tremendous thought. And it just captured me today when, when I was looking at this and just uh, capturing what it is to, to walk like David and to be in that life. But nine times it's said about David that he inquired of the Lord. That there was something in the heart of David that would not move or do anything until he heard from God. And every time that he inquires of the Lord, it was a life or death situation. And sometimes when we are in life or death situations, you know what we do? We get in survival mode. And you know what survival mode does? Uh, it starts taking control and making all the decisions to how to manipulate everything to get the end that we want. And David refused to go to survival mode. Because here's the deal. At the end of the day, who's got all the answers? So why am I not asking him about everything in my life? That in David's walk, there was nothing too trivial or too great that he didn't inquire before the Lord and wait until the Lord spoke to his heart. Even things that would seem like no-brainers, David said, mm-mm. I'm inquiring of the Lord. And you know what I've found is, is what happened many times is, is that people will want to put pressure on you to make you make decisions that they think you ought to make. And they'll manipulate every circumstance around you. And then everything, and then you're in this position and you feel the pressure that you've got to conjure up some answer from the inside. And people will put their, their dumpster fire in your lap and say, solve it right now. And you're like, whoa, pal. Nothing wrong with putting up a boundary and saying, I'm going to have to inquire of the Lord. And it's a lifestyle that you've got to learn to walk in where I ain't moving. Till I hear from the Lord. I got to hear from him. Got to hear from him. And if he ain't speaking, I ain't doing. Because me and him have a close enough relationship. If he wanted me to know, he would tell me. And so don't misinterpret his silence as indifference. Because you might not be able to handle the answer at that time that he's wanting to give you. <laughs> and so David, nine times in the scripture, nine in the scriptures is the number of finality or completion or harvest. Nine times it's said of David that he inquired of the Lord. That David had this walk that was so, it was just so incredible and I think he developed it early on, right? Because here he is, he's writing these psalms while he's spending time with the Lord in the field where nobody can see him. So there's something about the hidden place. And there's something about not taking lightly the seasons of hiddenness that God's put in our life. Because here's the deal. Everybody else saw a shepherd boy. But God saw it as preparation for a king. <laughs> you know why? Because David didn't take watching sheep lightly. But, and then God said, if I can trust him with these, uh, these, you know, fluffy little animals here, then I can trust him with these bristly old messed up people called Israel. If he'll rise up and fight a bear and a lion to save an animal, what will he do when the people of God are facing the devil head on? Is that he's positioning himself. He's not taking lightly a season of hiddenness that he's acting like a king while he's placed as a shepherd. Why? 
Because he understands that as he's walking with God, there's no wasted moments. That every moment's a chance to learn his voice, how he leads, what he's doing, who he is, and to operate into a supernatural manner where God might get glory from his life. And this is what David's life was composed of. Of hearing from the Lord and watching sheep. And he's content to stay in that place. That he's not even looking for promotion until the Lord calls him forth. He's so attuned to the voice of God, get this. Samuel comes to town and says, there's a guy, that God tells him this. There's a man named Jesse, and he's got some sons, and these sons, one of these sons is, is going to be a king. So Jesse calls out his, his boys, and there's seven of them. And I guess when you get to a certain point, you just forget how many you got, I guess. David doesn't get the call. <laughs> so here's these seven sons, and he's looking at them. Mm-mm. 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 And then he makes this statement to dad. This is like the worst dad comment of all time. Do you have anybody else? Oh. Yeah, but mm, this guy. He talks to himself and plays a harp in a field and treats animals like they're people. Ah, the hidden one that doesn't take any moments lightly and walks with the Lord in such a way that a sheep is a cherished possession because he knows God's given him that place to protect. Yeah, let's call him out. And then here comes David. And isn't it funny that the heart of David is content to stay or content to go? He's cool with being in the field. He only comes when the prophet says come. In other words, even his own father's voice doesn't move him. It's got to be a prophet of the Lord before he comes out of the field. That's how in tune he is. Dad's voice, no. Pro oh, pro yeah, that's God. <laughs> that he's more moved by the prophetic than he is his family. And some of you need to get this because some of your family is manipulating you. They're putting you in bad positions. They're telling you things that are false, and you need to square up to them and say, I will not entertain that spirit that is on you. I will not entertain what's going on there. I'll, I'm stopping right here. I'm inquiring of the Lord, and whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. Somebody secretly said amen, but was too afraid to say it because. But you better toughen up because those spirits will drag you into the ground and enjoy every minute of it. I didn't think we were going to get prophetic tonight, but we're just operating in the prophetic. This is what it is. You can't afford to let people manipulate you. You have to get the voice of the Lord for yourself. You can't outsource the ear of the Spirit to someone else. You've got to say, Lord, I'm going to inquire of you. And if you're quiet, hey, I'm going to be quiet. And I'm not moving till I hear. And this is the anchor that trusts God enough to get you out of the place when He speaks and that you don't get in a hurry and operate in your own flesh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is. So, so David has this heart that is like, oh my gosh. When you, I read about David, especially in his Psalms, and he says stuff, he's like, he's really raw. Because he'll say things like, God, kill my enemies. And I'm like, can you pray that? I'm not sure if you can pray that. <laughs> David prayed it, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like, is that Old Testament? What's going on here? Uh, you know, so I'm like, God, kill my, no, I don't say that. I don't do that. I don't do that. But, you know, he, he says these kind of things like, man, the wicked are going to be so ashamed 
Because when the time's right, God, you're going to intervene and I'm going to be vindicated and it's all going to be good. So I'm going to stick with you even though I'm being pressured to be pulled this way or that. And it's just so beautiful what's in the heart of David. But he says these things in like, um, oh, what is it? Psalm 139, you know, where it's like where he talks about you're being uh, created and, and, and knitted in your mother's womb. And there's just kind of this beautiful story of like, if I make my bed in hell, you're there, God. If I make my bed in the heavens, you're there. It's like there's no escaping God. And I think this is the reality we've got to get to because I think we, have you ever thought God wasn't watching? Then why did you do what you did? Any good amens out there? No. We got got real folk tonight or what? What's going on here? There's moments. Yeah, what had happened was. See, there's moments that we forget God is still there. David didn't have too many of those moments. So when he was in a bind, guess who he called out to? Not on his vice. You know, oh, I don't feel you. This is a pressure cooker. But you're here. Beyond feelings, beyond anything else, you're here. So I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Where to take this anxiety. I'm going to inquire of the Lord where to take my next step. I'm going to require, I'm going to inquire of the Lord. I'm going to inquire of him. And I'm going to be content to sit in sackcloth and ashes till he answers. Oh, man. What a heart. So he writes all this stuff, and then he finishes it out in Psalm 139, I think it is, and it's at the very end, and he says, search me, O God. And not only does he say, search me, it's the most scary thing, right, to be found out who you really are, right? Like everywhere we go, we're putting on some kind of facade or something to kind of hide the real thing that's really going on. It's just how it is. It's nothing, I mean, I wish it wasn't that way, but I do it. You know, I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on? You know, and I'm just, you know. Anyway, it's like crazy stuff. It's what we do. But David is saying, search me, O God. Search every inch of me in case there's something that's not been submitted to your kingship. And this is the, being a king in training. If you want to be a king or queen, you've got to let the king, or, got to let the king search every part of you So that he can impart the kingly authority and the kingly nature so that you can actually rule your household and rule things the way he does. Anything not submitted to him, that part will rise and find its way up through the cracks. Man, let me tell you how powerful weed is. Y'all ready for this? And I ain't talking about these dispensaries around here because those are plenty powerful. I see lines going out the door, and I'm thinking, man, I'm trying to get the church full. And this guy here, they, they're building new, new buildings, putting up new stuff. <laughs> I digress, but, um, yeah. Thinking, why has that got more pull on people than Holy Ghost? And here's what I don't do. I don't blame them. I blame myself because why have I not shined so bright that somebody's either got to repent or punch me in the face? I mean... I mean, that's the place we got to get. I need to be bringing people to decision just by my presence. Glory of God. Ooh, oh. I either want to, like, punch you or repent and fall in your arms and weep. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, that's the, right? You know, Stephen preaches, they're cut to the heart, he gets stoned. Peter preaches, they're cut to the heart. They fall down and 3,000 get added. I'd like to add the 3,000. I would would like to go that way. But when you're living a life that inquires of the Lord, you got to be willing to go whichever way it's going to go. And that's just the heart of it. What was I even talking about? We We had a line to a dispensary and then I just lost it. Oh, here's how powerful a weed is. Seriously, I was right. Oh, this is embarrassing, but I thought I was really cool. 
And you know these like electronic razor scooters that you can charge up? Well, I was at my sister's house and my niece had one. I thought, hey, you know, it's been a while since I had a little fun and <laughs> sidewalk surfed or whatever. And I got on this thing, this razor scooter, and I got to riding on that thing. And you know, when you start riding, you know, the more comfortable you get, the more risk you start taking. So now I'm just going in and out, and I'm going up a driveway and quickly turning it back down. And I'm going, and I got to where I quit looking. I just started looking behind me and just looking around. Then I went one hand, I think. And, and then I hit something and went over the front of those handlebars and just rolled all the way down the sidewalk in Louisville, Texas. And uh, so the first thing you do when you're hurt is you, you know, you get up and you make sure nobody saw you. <laughs> so before you show like pain reaction, you get up and you're like, walk it off like nothing happened. And you just kind of, then when you see nobody's looking, then you kind of, oh gosh, oh my gosh. And it's one of those things. And I was like, what in the world did I hit? And I went back and looked and where the concrete meets a weed buckled that concrete one little blade of a weed could buckle the concrete enough to make me wrecked and you know what it didn't happen overnight did it that weed just kept that's how powerful an untended weed is in your life eventually it'll buckle the concrete and it'll wreck you. And David said, man, God, search me. And then he makes this statement. Last two verses in Psalm 139. Search me. And then he says, test me. You ever ask God to test you? I never asked that. I'm like, God, don't test me. Give me the easy path. <laughs> I want to just be blessed. God just can we just pass the testing and then you download into me everything I need to know and then I can just go on. No, David is so transparent and so vulnerable with the Lord. He says, search me and anything you find we deal with. Next one, test me. Make sure it's true. I mean, that is a brave prayer. I venture to say not many of us in here has ever prayed that. God, search me, test me. Yeah. Why? Because he'd rather have authentic and real than he'd have easy in his way. This is just the way of inquiring of the Lord. So David had postured his heart in this way to where he'd lived his whole life being moved by nothing but the voice of God. Yeah. And it became... His true north. And if David didn't hear, he didn't go. If David didn't hear, he didn't do. And David, this becomes the guiding light. Okay, y'all ready? Y'all tired? Am I wearing y'all out? Okay, okay, let's look at it. First Samuel 23. This is nine instances. Yeah, yeah, I am wearing y'all out. Look at them over there yawning and everything else, stretching out. Hey, come on. No, that's y'all two I'm talking about right there. They look behind. Man, see, that's what happens when sin enters your life. You begin to look at other people. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Oh, those are tears. Okay. Well, I guess. It isn't this bad, is it? Is it bad, so bad you're crying? Oh, it's good. Okay, good tears. Well, that's wonderful. Hey, welcome to Lakeview where we engage you randomly in the audience. <laughs> make you feel really comfortable about being here. Okay. 1 Samuel 23. Check this out. Now David has already risen to some kind of prominence here, right? He goes, we know he had killed Goliath by this point. He then gets put in charge of the armies of Israel as their general. And he is just, God is on it. Y'all know when God's on something, he's just on it. And he is on David's life. So David is like winning these battles, and, and David's doing it in such a way that the people understand that there's just an anointing on his life. And it causes Saul, who's got the position, 
and who is in charge, it moves him to jealousy because he sees the guy who's not in charge actually um, kind of getting the accolades. But David isn't moved either way, but it's just kind of so... So, um, so Israel's top 40, they start writing these songs. And these songs go something like this. Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. How would you like that to be the song sung and you're the king, right? Like, hmm. And so it kind of got to him and all the handmaidens were singing it and all the ladies were singing it. Like he was, it was like boy bands before there were boy bands. David was the guy. He was the Beatles. So the ladies are creating songs in the streets. So everywhere you went, you know, you heard these songs. And so Saul begins to get a jealous heart. And here's the crazy thing. The thing that has moved Saul to jealousy and anger is the very thing that gives him relief. It's never where we want to look and find. <laughs> it's always something that grinds at us a little bit. And that's what I've learned in my life. If something grinds at me a little bit, there's something there I need to deal with. Yeah, something ain't resolved there. And I need to deal with it. And so Saul starts getting demonic oppression because he's coming against God's man and he won't repent. And he's just kind of in this crazy place. David's actually serving him well and not rubbing it in his face. He's being available. So Saul will be so uh, demonically oppressed that he calls in David to play this harp. And David plays the harp, and it's the only thing that gives Saul relief, and it lifts. But here's what happens. When we come into a place uh, to get relief, that's all we'll get. Because Saul, instead of relief, should have been trying to get deliverance. Does that make sense? So as soon as David would leave, what would happen? <sighs> Heaviness back on him. Pression back on him. So the very thing that's given him relief, he calls David in to play the harp because it would soothe him. He now is grabbing spears and trying to peg David against the wall. And David never retaliates. David jumps out of a window and runs for his life. It's that David has positioned himself to, the Lord's going to fight my battles, okay? And he's being moved by the voice of the Lord. The, Satan's trick is to get you against the people that are actually for you so that you'll position yourself as they're your enemy and you'll partner with those who are not, who are not on your side. And it creates an unholy allegiance that ends up being your own demise. And so you, so you just got to be so careful who you're aligning yourself with. And just got to watch yourself. So David gets in this place where he's got to run for his life. Saul's trying to kill him. And since he's been winning these wars as Israel's you know, great general, guess who else don't like him? His enemies. So he's got his own king, got his armies facing and coming after David. And now he's made these enemies out of the Philistines, and now they're coming after him. And so here he is all by himself. <laughs> and he finds a cave in Adullam, and he goes into this cave. And while he's in this cave, 400 men who are depressed, discouraged, and in debt come and find David. And say, our soul is joined to your soul. And we're going with you. So it's a picture here, right? You've got David going into a cave looking like a tomb. And coming out as a king with an army. See the picture? So it's a, it's a picture here, a metaphor here for us. So, so David comes out. So now he's got like 400 guys. And then it grows to like 600. kind of keeps growing. But he's running from his life, from his from his people that are after him. And now he's got the Philistines coming after him too. So he's got so much pressure on him, that pressure has pushed him to not do silly things or to trust in his own flesh. That pressure pushes him to... All right, three people's with me here. That pressure inspired him to... Inquire of the Lord. 
And that's where the pressures of life need to always push us to. You know, you can telephone or tell a friend, but you need to tell the Lord. It's okay to confide in people and have prayer partners, but man, you got to get the voice of the Lord. You got to inquire and get in this flow of like, God, whatever you say to do, I'll do. And you know what I find when I do that? He speaks to me. Um, but when I position myself of, God, here's what I want. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. Here's how it should happen. Here's how it should happen. Oh, silence. So oh, that's weird. Why? Because I've positioned myself as the Lord. You can't get him off his throne and you sit on it and tell him what to do, then put him back on it and make him do it. There's three good amens there, but I'll take it. Hey, where two or three are gathered, we're going to have. He's in the midst. Hey, four. Here we go. Um, so Samuel, 1 Samuel 23, David's in this position. Saul coming after him. Philistines coming after him. 1 Samuel 23, verse 1. Now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. Now Keilah was this, this city that was, um, it was like a stronghold that was actually part of Israel. So David is moved because he's like, i got to protect this city. Because even though Saul's coming after him, he's still got a heart for Israel. Still got a heart for his people. So they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David. <laughs> oh, man. So you think. They're fighting my people. Man, we'd have gotten our car. We'd have rolled up, rolled up our sleeves, say, come on, let's go. Not David. Because, God, if you don't go with me, I'm going to get whooped. So he says, whoa, that moved my heart. But it doesn't matter if it moved my heart, did it move his? Make sense? So David said, ooh, that moved my heart, and I want to do something about it. But hold on. Lord, should I go? See how the process stops? It's all predicated on the voice of the Lord, not my desire, even though it might seem well-meaning and right. Make sense? Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, you ready? Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Now watch this. You ready? Verse 3. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. <laughs> How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Verse 4, you ready? Then David... <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's like he heard. You think he would have looked at those guys? We heard we're going. But he wants to make sure he's not so prideful that he's the only one that could hear the voice of the Lord. So he stops and says, I can't take afraid guys into a battle. Because if God could be telling me to go, but everybody else is too afraid, I'm going to be a bad leader here. So David inquires of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. Now get this, and David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. So you, you notice the, do you see the humility here of David, right? He inquires of the Lord and he hears, he goes to his men, they're afraid. And so he once again says, okay, Lord, if we go, will we win? That all he's after is God's yes or God's no. And whichever one he gets, that's what he's going to do. And this is how we posture our lives. So God might tell us something and then somebody else might tell us something else. Well, you don't say... Well, hey, I heard from God and I'm going to do this and you just. No, it's just fuel for you to make sure and go back to God and say, okay, God, did I hear rightly? 
And that kind of life will lead to victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. Why? Because it's only going to be moved by the voice of the Lord. It's not going to be moved by the fearful people that are telling you something different. And it's not going to be moved by your own desires or your own uh, stick-to-itiveness of I'm going to roll up my sleeves, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps, and I'm going to make this happen. No, you're not. You would have by now if you're going to do that. What's missing is the voice of the Lord and that being your guiding light. So I don't care what kind of pressure people are putting on you to do this or to do that or what kind of pressure you're putting on yourself <laughs> to do this or to do that. You better not get in a hurry to make a move. I don't care how safe. I don't care how much rationale it makes. I don't care how much sense. I don't care how. I don't care who told you it was a good idea. You better posture to your heart and say, "I'm going to inquire of the Lord, and I'm not going to move till I hear." Um, it's the long way around. But it's the right way around. <laughs> because it's God's way around. How many of you know God is not into straight lines? Man, if I'm at A, B better be right there. But this is A, and God will put B back over here, and you'll be like, God, I'm going backwards. He, no, you're not. Who told you you were going backwards? See, you still have got your own bearings and your own rationale in your mind. No, if I say B's there, it looks backwards, but you're actually going forward because there's something I'm propelling you to at C that you can't see. And if you're still at A trying to get to D and you miss B, you're not going to have the character to get to E. Yeah. So you take the path. It, that, it, that wherever he says... That's the place of provision and safety. Even if it's right smack and dab in the middle of King Saul and the Philistines. That's just where I got to be right now. <laughs> and this is King David's life. That he inquires of the Lord. And he does this nine times. And he does like five of them in... In, uh, or four of them in chapter 23. He goes back and forth like several different times. It's kind of crazy. But here's the one that I really like. In 1 Samuel 30, he gets put in this really crazy position. Saul is so chasing him out of his homeland that he has to um, reside in the land of his enemies, the Philistines. And you talk about getting from A to B, uh, David is in Ziglag, okay? Um, you know, he's, he's at the bottom of the barrel because this is the Philistines' land. But the Philistines make a deal with him, and they say things like this, if you'll go to war with us against Israel when they come fight, you can stay here rent-free. So he makes this pact with the Philistines that he'll go to war against his own people because he's got nowhere else to go. So I'm guessing David's a man of his word. Maybe, maybe if he would have went to battle against him, he would have turned on him in the last second and fought for Israel. I don't know. But he, the Philistines say, all right, time to pony up. Come on, we're fighting Israel. We need you with us. So David saddles up and his men are ready and they're lined up with the Philistine armies. And the Philistines start getting afraid because they're like, wait a second. This David guy, if he ends up fighting them, he's not going to fight his brothers. He's going to turn on us. Then he's going to be more of a, a problem than he is a help. So they send David back home. While David goes to go back home, a raiding group of Amalekites come in and raid his camp while they're gone. And do a bunch of like terrible things, loot, pillage, and steal all their wife and children and take them away. Can you just say David don't have anywhere to lay his head? Right? It's like the Jesus. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. 
I don't even feel like I can just be safe somewhere. <laughs> and so David comes back home and everything's burning and smoking and gone. Now get this. Guess what happens? His men come up to him and they say, We're with you, David. We're never going to leave you. And we're going to go fight with you. No. They start talking about stoning David. Because as he submitted himself to the voice of the Lord, they don't understand it and don't like it. So now he's got Philistines that don't want him. He can't even fight with his enemies. You know it's bad when you're a bad dude and you can't even fight with the other bad dudes against people they hate. When your enemies reject you, oh, I mean, this is bad. So he can't fight with his own people, can't live with them, he can't live with his enemies. The one little sliver of hope that he's got gets burnt to the ground. His wife's gone, his kid's gone, everything is burnt up. And now his own men who went in the cave, the same men that come to the cave and said, we're discouraged, doubting, in debt. We're following you for the rest of our lives. Now they're saying, maybe we ought to stone this guy. David's pinned down. But I wonder what David would do. Hey! The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he gasped for the ephod and puts on an ephod, which is what the high priest did. And underneath the ephod, you know what was underneath the ephod? It was a Urim and the Thummim, and it was God's yes or no. So the king, not only is a king, but he's a priest. Who does that look like? King Jesus. And the king priest, with everybody hating him, strengthens himself and encourages himself in the Lord. This is for me tonight more than anybody. I'm just telling you. Encourages himself in the Lord and then says, God, should we go? Remember, his wife's gone. Kids gone. I would think the no-brainer thing to do. Man, they got my kids and family. I'm going to fight everybody. No, not David. Because if God ain't on it, I ain't going. Hey, <laughs> This is David. David says, if we go, will I win? And God says, go. So the same men that want to stone him, he comes back and says, if we go, we'll get everything back. And David doesn't hold it against the ones that didn't understand his relationship with God. What I'd have done when we come back with the spoils... I'd have been like, now what was this stoning? Who was the first guy that brought that up? But you know what uh, David probably did? He probably promoted that guy to show the grace of God and to bring him into deeper allegiance with him. I said, who said they were going to stone me? That guy? Okay, now you're in charge of the, you're over the whole army. What? David, I was going to stone you. Yeah, I know. But those are my best soldiers. The one who received the most grace. So you're not going to move David's heart if you hurt him or want to stone him. The only thing moving his heart. What he says. What he says. That's the laser focused life of David. Isn't, that just, isn't it just glorious? I mean, these pictures that God gives us. And what's so cool is they're just normal guys, you know. They're just normal guys. And so since David has postured his heart like this, he's not a perfect guy. I know when we hear this, we're thinking, man, I could never do that. No, the same grace that he had, man, is available for you, if not more, now that we're in the New Testament. I mean, right? So think about it. David's not perfect, right? Because we know kind of the deal that happened with him, right? He's supposed to be at war. Instead, he's up on his... Uh, He's out the gazebo, showing the spoils of life. And, 
And I don't even know how, I don't know where this bath was or this shower was. But he laid eyes on somebody taking a shower in the wide open. I don't even know what was going on. They needed a curtain or something. But, but David let this thing enter his mind. And all of a sudden, David's an adulterer. And David starts moving to hide his sin. And then the adulterer becomes the murderer. And right when he thought he got away, remember how David was called and brought forth? It was by a prophet, a seer named Samuel. Now the David who had forgotten, choir of the Lord, is confronted by a prophet named Nathan. Becomes his call to kingship and his call to repentance. But he so postured his heart to be about the voice of the Lord that a prophet could say tough things to him and instead of killing him, he would repent. So Nathan comes in and says, hey, I heard this story in the kingdom. It's a big setup, the biggest setup of all time. Yeah, what's going on? Oh, this guy had all these, he had all the riches. He had everything he could ever want. And this poor little guy over here had one little, it was just a measly little old lamb. This beautiful little, little lamb. And the guy that had everything, he took this, the one lamb this guy had, he took it from him. Now this guy's all by himself, doesn't have. And he appealed to a righteousness that David knew was right. So David rises up from his throne and says, who did such a thing in Israel? This man must be dealt with. And then Nathan goes, oh, I'm glad your sense of justice and rightness is still in there. Because you're the guy who did it. And David went from standing up in his throne to ripping his robe and falling on his face and saying, oh God, create a clean heart in me and forgive me of my unrighteousness. And against you and you only have I sinned. And this becomes... When you're moved by the voice of God, you can take the voice of God in someone else's mouth too. Yeah. Because when you've ignored it for a while, you know when you hear it though, don't you? <laughs> oh yeah. You can push it down, shove it down, ignore it, get mad, do other kind of things. But when you've walked like that, you know when you hear it. You know the real thing. And... Let us become a people who know how to inquire of the Lord. Yeah. Before you do anything, ask him. Man, I don't get into a parking spot until I say, Lord, where do you want me to park? One time at Walmart, I parked where the officers are supposed to park. <laughs> I did. I did not ask the Lord that time. When I <laughs> but it was like 10 minutes till close, and I was like, we need some wipes. This is going to have to happen. Undercover. <laughs> need some wipes. <laughs> terrible. <sighs> it's terrible. But, hey, you know, sometimes you do what you to do, but, but a life that just says, but here's something that I have done. I learned this from Bill Johnson. Before I go in anywhere, I go, Lord, let your spirit rest on me. <laughs> that they might feel your presence when I come in. <laughs> and uh, then I'll go into a place. And there's so many times that people have just said, you know, struck up a weird conversation and it's led to so much more. But, um, 
But yeah. I love this one thing he says. God's in you for your sake and on you for others. And um, so, yeah, I just think I just think we can be uh, an army of King Davids that are just like inquiring of the Lord all the time. And him speaking to us what we should do each and every time. Um, yeah. Lord, we thank you. Um, God, you got some mighty people in this sanctuary. Mighty people. <laughs> they might not even know how mighty they really are. But what's mighty about them is that they have a yes that they can give to you. So God, we give you our yes. And when we give you our yes, guess what? God, you give us that open channel. And you start giving us your yeses. When we start saying no to the world and yes to you, you start giving you, us our, your yeses and no's to lead us and guide us in everything we do. God, let it be said of Lakeview that they are a people who inquire of the Lord. And then when we second guess, we go back and inquire of the Lord again. <laughs> and we don't move without your yes or your no. God, lead us and guide us through every valley. And God, just to be honest, we need leading and guiding on that mountaintop too. Because any step in any direction is a fall. Lord, help us. Guide us and lead us in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.